0: Well, good morning. Pray for me. i got to go back to school tomorrow. (laughs) Going back to work. It's been nice having this week off. We got to spend time with the family and um, went down to uh, Gatlinburg, to the aquarium for the day. Um, Did we do anything else? Slept? Uh, <laughs> I might have slept. Uh but uh it, it was uh, it was nice having that time to kind of uh recharge the batteries. So. Uh today we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 Mark chapter 1. And uh, we'll be starting in verse 40, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, and when you find it, if you would stand as we read God's word, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40 says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, shew thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But he went out, and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us together in your house. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, your love. Thank thank you for just um, all the things that you've done in our lives, Lord. We just pray that you will uh, put us in front of people that don't know you, that we might be able to uh, spread your message, spread your word to them. Lord. Um, Lord, we just pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to your word today, um, prick the hearts of those that uh, may not know your word, not, may not know the the cleansing power of your blood. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you will be with us today and touch us in a way that will, will last us uh, a lifetime, but especially throughout this week where we can Take it and pass it along. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I like the gospel of Mark a lot. Because Mark gets to the point of everything. He, he's, he's rapid fire through all of his gospel. He doesn't mix words. He doesn't take the time to, to flesh things out. He just gets to the point uh, quickly. So we're in the very first chapter And there's been 39 verses before this. We're in verse 40. In the first 39 verses of the first chapter, I I made a list of some things that, that Mark has already talked about. Jesus has been introduced as the Son of God. We see John baptizing in the wilderness. We have John that baptizes Jesus. We hear from God the Father when he tells us that Jesus is his Son, in whom he is well pleased. We see Jesus tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. John ends up getting thrown into prison. Jesus starts picking out his disciples. He starts preaching in Capernaum. He casts out a demon. He becomes famous all over Galilee. He cures Simon's mother-in-law of the fever. The city then gathered all around Simon's mother-in-law's house uh, with with sick and um, uh, demon-possessed people. And and Jesus took time uh, out of his ministry to help heal people and cast out more demons. Uh, Jesus ends up getting alone to pray. And then Jesus tells his disciples that it's time to move on. And he begins going from town to town preaching and healing people. All that happened in the first 39 verses of Mark, so Mark, Mark really gets the pace moving. So then when we finally get to uh, verse 40, is where we are now, and in verse 40 we're introduced to a leper. He's so insignificant that we're not even told his name, just the leper. How often do we recognize or identify people by their faults. Not their names. The alcoholic. The convict. The addict. The thief. The liar. We need to remember that just, just like we were saying, we, we, when Jesus was on the cross, I was on his mind. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just you. It was everybody. He was thinking of all people. And just the way we see somebody is not the way he sees them. He sees them just as he sees you and I. So we don't know his name, just his condition. As he approaches Jesus, he kneels down before him. So he's coming to Jesus humbly. And he says to Jesus, if thou wilt, which means if you are willing Or if you wanted to, thou canst make me clean. Or you can make me clean. He says, if you're willing to, I know you have the power to heal my disease. He's not telling him to. He's not asking him to. He's saying, if you will, I know you can. Now, this is the problem... That um, some people in the church have today. They know Jesus is capable of saving them. They just don't know if he's willing. Right? This man just said, "I know if you were willing, I know you could do it. Some people in the church today are going to say, I know he can. I just don't know if he will. I don't know if him knowing everything that I've done in my life, if he's going to be willing to save me. Well, if that's you, I have some good news for you. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In first Timothy chapter two, verse four, he says, Who desires all men, he's talking about Jesus, to be saved? And come to the knowledge of the truth. He is willing, just like the man with leprosy, all we have to do is ask. Let's talk about leprosy for a minute. People with leprosy were called the walking dead because this was a disease that no man could heal and it would eventually kill you. Uh, People would get terrible sores all over their bodies. It wasn't the actual disease that would kill them. It, the, they would get these sores on their bodies, the scabs, and eventually their extremities would become where they couldn't feel. So they would get a cut or, 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 or some kind of injury, and they wouldn't know it. And that cut or, or, or wound would end up getting infected, and they wouldn't know. Well, that infection would get to the bone, and then they would start losing limbs. That's how leprosy ended up. Killing people. And leprosy was so contagious that uh, someone that had it would be exiled from the city. They would live alone in isolation. And if somebody was approaching them or if they were walking down a road approaching other people, they would have to shout, unclean, unclean, to let people know to stay away from them. It was the law. They also had to shave their heads and wear torn clothing so that people could recognize them as somebody that was unclean. They had to wear a a, a piece of cloth, it says, under their nose, so it was covering their mouth to keep the disease from from spreading. They had to do this at all times. So think about what this man was doing. He was not supposed to be anywhere near the people, and yet here he comes into the city, to get near Jesus because he knows that Jesus has the power to save him. Jesus has the power to heal him. Verse 41 says, And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will. If you are willing, is what he said. And Jesus says, I will. Be thou clean. So Jesus is moved with compassion, just like when he sees um, you and I or any lost soul. He saw this man and knew he was going to die of his disease. Our disease is sin, and he wants to save us from it. Jesus puts out his hand and touches this man. When something is dirty, like this man was considered dirty. He couldn't be near other people. He couldn't touch anybody. He couldn't breathe on anybody. He couldn't be within so many yards or meters from somebody else because of the fear of him spreading that disease. When something dirty touches something clean, they're both dirty. Right? Like, my favorite meal is spaghetti. When I was a bachelor, I would make... a a, a vat of spaghetti and I would just eat on it every meal for two or three days until it was gone and then I would switch to uh, McDonald's and then I would do macaroni and cheese and hot dogs and then I would make another vat of spaghetti and I would just eat through the spaghetti it's my favorite meal and fortunately it's one of the three things that Charlotte will actually eat so we actually Kate has to make spaghetti every now and then even though she doesn't like it I know you love spaghetti don't you Uh, peanut butter, jelly sandwich, spaghetti, and tacos. Those are the three that she eats. But the problem with her eating spaghetti is it's messy. We have to just completely take her clothes off. Otherwise, everything she would have would be stained orange. When, when, when she's eating it, she gets it all over her hands. She gets it in her face, her hair, her eyebrows. O- on the table, We we have this kind of this white table. And... When she's done eating, there'll be orange all around except for a circle where her plate was. You could draw a face on the circle and it would look like a little Orphan Annie. It was just orange everywhere. So what happens is, if we're not paying attention, she'll get up from the dinner table and she'll run into the living room and jump on the couch, wipe her hands on the couch and her face. Surprisingly, they don't both come clean. Now they're both dirty, right? So what happens is we have to get wet wipes. It, I don't know if you're looking to buy a stock, but we buy these things by the caseload. So it, it's probably a good thing to invest in. We buy these things by the caseload. And what happens is we use them to clean her up. It's kind of like the sacrificial uh, uh, cleansing. We have to wipe her down from head to toe. But just using that doesn't take the stain away, because now it's stained, right? You see where I'm going? Wink at me if you know where I'm going with this. Jesus does the same thing for us. He takes away those stains. He takes those stains upon himself when he was on the cross so that we can be cleansed, that we can be clean in the sight of God. It reminds me a little bit of what I told you uh, uh, last week or the week before when we were talking about uh, Ezekiel. And, um, his, uh, vision when he was in the, uh, temple. And, um, I'm sorry. It's all right. I know my, I know it already. He, uh, he's in the temple and he's speaking to the angel. and, And the angel shows him this water that's running out of the east side of the temple. Okay? And it comes out as a trickle and it gets Uh, deeper and deeper and deeper, and finally it becomes a river that runs into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is something where nothing lives because uh, of the the salt content. It it just, it can't, nothing can survive in it. Until this river enters into it and cleanses it, it makes it clean, and it is teeming with uh, wildlife and fish and, and, and all types of things. That's the same thing that Jesus does for us. He can take away that deadness. He can take away that stain. He can take away that sin in our lives. So in verse 42, it says, And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. It was immediately the leprosy departed. It didn't fade away. It wasn't some kind of medicine that he was given. It wasn't some kind of topical ointment that come back in a few days and we'll see if it's any better. It happened like that. It was immediate. And it didn't come with any conditions. Jesus didn't say, I'll clean up your skin, but you have to come to the temple daily. You have to study my word at all times. You have to tithe. You have to keep all my commandments. And if you don't do any of those things, if you break one of those, the leprosy will come back. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus said. And it's the same with our salvation. It doesn't come with attachments. We should do these things, but we should want to do them out of the love that we have for Jesus. Verse 33, or 43 and 44, uh, Jesus sends this man away to see the priest. Now the priests were the ones that were in charge of inspecting people and deciding whether or not they were clean and able to re-enter society, or if they needed to be cast back out into isolation. So the other thing that Jesus tells them, tells his man, is not to say anything to anyone. So why would Jesus do that? If I was Jesus, I, w- I would want everybody to know what I just did is that people would come to me and say, oh, he he he's able to do these things. But Jesus didn't want that because that wasn't why Jesus was here. Jesus healed and cast out demons because of his goodness, but that wasn't his primary purpose of being here. And he knew that once people saw that the, these miracles that he was doing, he would be swarmed. And they would only come to him because of those miracles, right? It, it, it's kind of like if... Um, I was giving uh, Charlotte a gift every day. I would just keep giving her presents. And that's the only reason she would come to me, is because she was be expecting a present. It wouldn't be out of love. It wouldn't be out of what I have to say. It wouldn't be out of um, what I'm trying to do for her. It would be out of gifts. It would be out of shallow things, superficial things. And so he didn't want to be swarmed like that, because it wasn't part of his mission. It was going to disrupt his ministry. Verse 45, the man didn't keep his mouth shut, did he? (laughs) Listen to the words that it says that he used. He began to publish it. It says, blaze abroad the matter. He began to publish and blaze. Those those are words that is to tell us that he's telling everybody. He's running up and down the street screaming it to people. Just a side note, uh, it, it, when I when I think when I just said that when I, I think about it, I used to look at the people that were standing out on street corners with megaphones and, and signs, yelling, "You're going to hell! You're you, if you don't repent!" And I would look at them and I think they're crazy. They're crazy. But now I look at them and I think, "Wow, what, what faith they have! Like, what, they are so concerned with everybody else that they're willing." To stand out on a street corner, take time out of the, their lives, and they know how other people are seeing them, but they care about just reaching somebody. And that, that I, I now now I have a newfound respect for for their ability to to stand out there and do that. That that uh, takes a lot of courage. Now there are a couple ways to look at this. He see he runs out. He disobeys Jesus, right? Jesus says, "Don't tell anybody," and he runs out and tells everybody. A couple ways to look at this. First way we can look at it was, he was just gifted his life back. And Jesus said, don't tell anybody. And he immediately disobeys Jesus. That's like if you came in here and you gave your heart and life to Jesus and you walked outside and killed somebody. It, it, it doesn't make sense. The other way you can look at it was, he was so excited and so in love with Jesus And wanting everybody to know the power of Jesus. That he just couldn't keep it to himself. So he had to go out and spread the word. But because he did that. Now we see that Jesus is no longer able to openly enter the city. Which is what he wanted. He wanted to be in the city preaching. Now he's cast out of the city. Because he can't be there. Now. I know that was long to to get to my three points, but there there are three important things I want us to see here. These three things are points that if we just read the text, we might miss them, but they're things that we need to look at closely to really take away with us. The first one is in uh, verse 41. I want to read this to you again. It says, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. This man desperately wanted to be healed. He risked being stoned as he approached the city. In this time, because people were, uh, because this uh, disease was so rampant, and so contagious, and so, uh, people were so scared of it, he would have, it would have been legal for them to stone him as he's coming towards them, as to not spread this disease. So, but he said, I'm going to die either way, right? He, he, he is so, so convinced that Jesus can heal him, he said, it's worth it for me just to go. What's that, dear? Oh, okay. We'll hang it on the fridge when we get home. Uh, in Mark 7, I, 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 I picked out a few uh, um, stories that, that I want to I cover with you real quick. In Mark 7, we read about a mother with a possessed daughter. And she was begging Jesus to cast the demon out of her. And he tells her to wait because it's not right for the, to take the bread from the children And toss it to the dogs. In this uh, picture that he's painting, the children are the Israelites, the children of Israel. The dogs would be the Gentiles. Jesus says to her, you're going to have to wait because it's not right to take the bread, which is Jesus, away from the children to throw to the dogs. She uses his words in her response, saying that, yes, the children need the bread, but the dogs are feeding off of the crumbs that the, the children drop. And what she's saying is she understood that salvation was for everybody. And Jesus was touched by this. And he says to her, uh, told her to go home, that her daughter was healed. So she goes home and finds her daughter no longer possessed. In Luke 7, we're told about a centurion who had a sick servant. The servant was close to death. So the centurion sends out some elders from the community and asks Jesus to come and heal his servant. They tell Jesus how great of a man he was, that he personally paid to have the, uh, their temple built. So Jesus agrees to come. And as Jesus gets closer to the house of the centurion, the centurion sends out some of his friends. To go meet Jesus. And they tell Jesus, He doesn't want you to come to His house because He doesn't feel, it, 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 he, he doesn't feel, um, uh, what's the word? Worthy. He doesn't feel worthy of having you in His home. In fact, the reason He sent us out here is because He doesn't even feel worthy enough to be in your presence. But He knows that you're powerful enough that you can speak the word and heal His servant. And what does Jesus say? He says, I've never heard faith like this, not even in Israel. So the messengers go back to the house and the servant is healed. John 4 tells us about an official from Capernaum. His son was close to death. So he came to Jesus and begged him to come heal his son. Jesus told the man just to go and his son would live. And when the official got home, he found his son well. So here's my question. Why did Jesus touch the leper? In these other instances, Jesus didn't need to touch them. He only needed to speak the word. But here, the, the, the leper is kneeling before him with, the, with this horrible disease. Not allowed to be around anybody. And he's kneeling before Jesus and he says, if you will, I know you can heal me. Jesus decides to reach out and touch him. This man could not have had physical contact with anyone for who knows how long. For for him to risk being stoned to death just to get to Jesus, I'm going to guess that he has been in this condition for a long time and had given up hope on anything else. And I think about that, if that was me, and I couldn't be near my family, I couldn't hug them, I couldn't kiss them, I couldn't touch them, but I could see them from here to that house over there, and I couldn't have any kind of contact with them, that would, that would crush me on the inside. When we look at our lives, we have a very limited view. But God sees the big picture. We, we kind of see what's around us, what I need, right? And that's what this man was seeking. He, 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 his skin, his disease, he wanted it gone. But Jesus saw the bigger picture. In Matthew 6, verse 8, it says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye need before ye ask. Jesus knew what the man wanted, but he also knew what the man needed. He needed that intimacy. He needed that physical touch that he hadn't had in so long because he knew that it would do something for his soul. The second point is, I, 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 I it was actually a question that I wrote down. I said, uh, whose disobedience is worse? This man was healed of a disease. We're in verse 45. Um, let me just read 45 real quick. It says, but he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without uh, without in desert places and they came to him from every quarter. He was told that he couldn't uh, tell anybody, right? Uh, Jesus made two requests after he had healed him. First, he said, go show the priest that you are clean. Showing himself to the, the priest um, would put the priest in an awkward position. Because if they said, yes, Jesus healed this man, then the Pharisees would be upset because it would look like they, he was lifting up Jesus. But on the other side, if the priest said, uh, no, Jesus didn't heal this person, then he would look foolish, Right? So the priest is kind of put in an awkward position here. I think it's interesting, though. We never find out if he ever made it to the priest. We're just told that he's running up and down the street shouting to everybody, telling everybody about Jesus. So the other thing he told the man was to not say anything. I mentioned this earlier that Jesus didn't want, uh, want the attention that this would generate. But the man went and told everyone anyway. Isn't it strange to you that Jesus told this man not to tell anyone and he ran around telling everyone. And Jesus tells us to tell everyone. We don't tell anyone. Right? When was the last time we walked up to somebody and said, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. We should be looking at this man with reverence. We should be looking at him and, and thinking, wow, yes, he disobeyed God, but look what he did. Look at the love that he had for Jesus. Psalm uh, 96, verse 3 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Mark 16, verse 15 says, Uh, go into, this is Jesus speaking, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We need to take a cue from this disobedient man and start publishing and blaze it abroad. We need to tell everyone about Jesus. Finally, uh, my third point is Jesus takes our place. When we first started this passage, the leopard had been banished from the city, right? He had to stay outside the city. He couldn't be near anybody. He was alone, desolate, and isolated. But he comes to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus gave him a command he knew the man wouldn't keep, right? Just like when we're saved, he knows we're sinners. He knows we're going to continue to sin, but he offers us that salvation anyways. He did this, and because he did this, Jesus ended up not being able to enter the city. Because this man went around telling everybody he, he was unable to re-enter the city. And the Bible says he was without in desert places. So he was alone. He didn't have anybody else with him. He had to be alone away from all people. He was hiding, basically. So Jesus, in essence, healed him. And then took his place. Remember? He, this man was isolated. He was outside the city. He was alone. He couldn't be near anybody. Jesus healed him, and now he can run around the city, right? He's clean. But Jesus is no longer able to. Jesus did the same thing for us on the cross. Because we are so diseased with sin, the only way we can have a relationship with God is if our sins were paid for. Why couldn't God just say, you're forgiven? You ever think about that? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Here's I'm going to tell you the reason. You cannot have forgiveness without one party shouldering the burden. For instance, if I borrow your car and I wreck it, one of two things is going to happen, okay? Either A, you can forgive me and take the cost of repairing the car on yourself, or B, you can force me to pay for it, in which case I'm paying for my error to make it up to you. Those are the only two ways it's going to happen. But one of us is going to shoulder the burden. But the problem with sin is sin is so costly for us that there's no way that we can work that off and to be back into God's good graces. Sin's not like a Corolla, where I can save some money up and I can try and buy you a new car or or repair the damages to that Corolla. Sin is like a Ferrari and God's the owner. We both know I'm never going to be able to pay that debt. So he has to absorb the burden if there's going to be any forgiveness. So God sent Jesus to take our place and to pay our sin debt that we could never pay for ourselves because he loves us so much and wants to have a relationship with us. God knows what we need and he sent his son to die on the cross in our place and what he does is ask us what does he ask us in return It's to share the news with others let's pray lord thank you thank you for your goodness thank you for your word thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for sins that he didn't commit lord he was on that cross thinking of us Lord, I I, I can't imagine the the pain that he must have felt. The pain that you must have felt seeing him on the cross. But we're so grateful for what he did to bring us back into relation with you. Lord, we love you. We just pray that you'll continue to, to watch over us and protect us. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the strength to spread your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to have a time of um, invitation. If you don't know that healing power of Jesus or if you um, or if you'd like to join the church or, or if you have anything you would like to to pray about uh, this, this will be the time to come forward and, and um, we can take care of that. Page 158. Nothing but the blood. 158.